Dynasty Football Network, holding it down for James Katulis. That's Travis the Beard Rasmussen. Hey, John. Uh, Russell Wilson had a good week again. What do you think about that? I don't want to talk about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm John Hogue, and this is Super Flexible. Opening our arms and our hearts to all of those who have been eliminated from the fantasy playoffs as we roll on and prep for the 2018 offseason. Today, we're reflecting on the 2017 season and trying to uncover the truths that we learned and those that we missed on either side of the tunnel. So let's talk about a few of our giveaways, Travis, the things we should have seen coming before 2017 and some of our takeaways from 2017 as well um, that we're going to bear in mind going into 2018. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this started off for you. Um, I want to see what you think about this, but I feel like maybe it was a little bit of a giveaway going into 2017 that this L.A. Rams offense was going to be as good as it's been. I guess explain. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like this I, I, was your this is your item. Why do you why do you feel like we should have been able to see that? Because they were really really bad last year. I I yeah. I, but I mean, I think that. Well, I mean, you you for one, you are probably the biggest critic of Jeff Fisher, um, somebody who <laughs> definitely deserves criticism. But uh, yours is pretty much relentless, and. Uh, you know, to go from Jeff Fisher and one of the most watered down offensive minds in the entire in the history of the NFL to Sean McVay, one of the you know one of the the rising stars and one of the great offensive minds in football, and then you know you put that that type of supporting cast on the offensive side where you've got Todd Gurley and you've got you know Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Um, I actually thought Tavon Austin would be a little bit more productive in that offense as well. Gross. <laughs> I know. I know. But, I mean, you just, you'd think about the all the different things that they could do and all the different weapons that they had at their disposal going into the season. It was just a matter of, can we drag any kind of productivity out of Jared Goff? That was the entire question. And if so... This thing is going to take off. And I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from with this. This feels like this should have been a giveaway. That the only thing missing was we didn't know for sure what Jared Goff could be. Yeah, and I think that's why we didn't predict this. Is because not only did we not know what he could be, his play last year made us think that he was bad. It's not just... You know what I mean? We had mm-hmm. we had a negative feeling about him, not just a neutral one, right? So mm-hmm. that's hard to overcome in the off season after just seeing this guy go zero and seven as a starter and just really, really not show much of you know even the capability of being uh, you know a super productive quarterback. So I think that's maybe why we missed it. But yeah, I think it all. I think you're right. I think it comes down to. Those two factors, Jeff Fisher being the worst coach in the history of the NFL. <laughs> there it is. And <laughs> and Jared Goff, like, you know, we gave up on him too quickly, and I did too. I thought it was like I mean, I thought he was 
a bust, and I'm sure I was in the majority on that opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that could be another takeaway for us is you know maybe we shouldn't give up on first year players so quickly. And you know the the transfer or the yeah the, I guess from from college to the NFL is a legit. I mean that's a legit jump in every facet. You know talent. And, and the speed of the game, and the schemes, and the the offenses, and the play calling, and there's you know, it's a big deal. And I think that we're so quick to judge and write write players off after you know a, bad, a single bad rookie year, and that's come to bite us in the butt a few times. Yeah, maybe that's that's the bigger takeaway, is that you know a second year quarterback, he was the number one overall draft pick, and we've seen some of those bust. But, I mean, I, I think that, that they deserve a little bit more of a, a chance. I think he deserved a little bit more of a chance. And I feel like this is a mistake that we, that we you know, as a, as a community, I guess, tend to fall into with wide receivers and tight ends, too. I think the only position that you can really count on, and, I mean, we're going to talk about this one in a few minutes, so I won't spend too much time on it, but rookie running backs are pretty much the only ones that you can count on to pop in their rookie season and beyond that the other positions anything you get out of them as rookies is all bonus but i mean you you right for fantasy yeah 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 but i think that's again like with jared goff he looked bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it wasn't just like we weren't obviously trusting him for fantasy, but he looked like a bad quarterback last year. So yeah, and he made I Todd that, Gurley look like a bad running back. He uh, well, did. that offense made Todd Gurley look like a bad running. Jeff back. Fisher, Jeff Fisher did yeah. that. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> Jeff Fisher. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I I, I had that? I had told you about that tweet that I sent that um, said Case Keenum's career coaches. Mm-hmm. And it was like he had Jeff Fisher for the last three or four years. Right. And I was like, maybe, maybe he's not as bad as we think. And here he is just blowing up the league. Dude. Yeah. Jeff Fisher's, ugh, yeah. I think that I think that was 90% of the problem. I, I heard an interesting, 10% of an it. interesting take. Uh I saw this on Twitter, by the way, today. The fact that we might be headed for an NFC championship between Case Keenum and Nick Foles, where uh, <laughs> Jeff Fisher has to do the head, <laughs> the coin toss. Two quarterbacks dr- just absolutely dragged down uh, in their value by Jeff Fisher. So, um, but I. So the reason that I bring this up, though is uh is a takeaway going into 2018 Um, and this is another one that i just kind of want to get your thoughts on i think rather than looking for individual players as sleepers potential sleepers i wonder about looking at entire offenses as as you know just a unit full of of sleeper prospects and the type of offense that you want to get multiple pieces of and i mean Going into this season, the obvious ones were New England and Green Bay, uh, maybe New Orleans. But, you know, some of the more under-the-radar ones, I thought Minnesota was an offense that you want several pieces of. And, 
I mean, I I got the quarterback wrong, but I got the the overall. You know, you and I, James is gonna hate. He's gonna want to skip over this part when we start talking process because the process was right <laughs> on the on the Vikings. You know, and right. if if you had Dalvin Cook and you had Adam Thielen and you had Kyle Rudolph. You know, Kyle Rudolph is a little bit of a bad example, but he's had some big games for you. So, <laughs> and you know, if you if you went from Sam Bradford to Case Keenum, you had a nice season. You know, I you know obviously you had to find a replacement for Dalvin Cook, but I mean that's the case with a lot of running backs. So, you know, you you we've talked about this before. You have to keep that one fluid, anyways. But I do think that if you if you had loaded up on some of those guys, you would have had a nice season. And I think the Rams were kind of the same type of thing. And I think this might be a strategy that I'm going to carry into future seasons, starting with 2018, that I'm going to look for some of these offenses that I think could be a sleeper offense rather than looking for sleeper individual players. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, it definitely makes sense. Did you have any for next year that I mean I hate to put you on the spot but had you had you made any thought as to next year for which offenses yeah you're going to be looking yeah, at yeah I actually have it you're not ambushing me at all so <laughs> I think that uh a couple of them that I'm that I'm definitely going to look at <laughs> I'm going to start with the less uh, the less outlandish i guess and say houston i mean you're not going to get deandre hopkins very cheap you're probably not going to get deshaun watson super cheap but those are yeah but will yeah fuller. will fuller is going to be a great one uh i still think dante foreman is a is a very good sleeper running back and i think that lamar miller holds quite a bit of value there i think they're going to figure something out at the tight end position and they might even Man, Deshaun Watson might be good enough to support, you know, three or four fantasy pass catchers. So, you know, you could look at the tight end position as a late round flyer. You could, and then see who they put in the slot. You know, maybe it's Bruce Ellington. Maybe they they bring in somebody else. And uh, I think there are going to be several in that offense. I think the ones that come to mind are for similar situations, you know, the Texans, yeah. the Colts. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, everybody knows those quarterbacks were hurt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know how much of a sleeper it really is because people are expecting Luck and Watson back, mm-hmm. and they're going to expect the production from their pass catchers to increase. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's definitely true. So let me throw a couple at you that I think – I mean, you might laugh at me about these two because they're probably drafting at the in the top three of the NFL draft. But the Cleveland Browns, the San Francisco 49ers, those are two offenses I'm going to keep a close eye on because I think that there could be a lot of fantasy goodness on both of those rosters. Um, it, you know, somewhat depending on how this offseason goes, you know, who's the quarterback in Cleveland, that's going to be a big part of it. You know, can Deshaun Kaiser support more than more than one pass catcher? I I don't know, but you know, if they end up with Josh Rosen, all of a sudden, you know, 
Josh Gordon, of course, if he sticks around. Corey Coleman's in play. David Njoku's in play. And then whoever else they add to that to that receiving core. And then Duke Johnson and, you know, whoever who's whoever is their, their kind of thumper back. So... Saquon Barkley? <laughs> yeah, maybe... If they man, if they ended up with that haul, <laughs> everybody else in in the top ten of the NFL draft just completely screwed it up. But that would be insane. Or yeah, no, I don't know. I those were the first two that came to my mind: mm-hmm. the Browns and the Niners. And I totally agree with you. I think. I mean, I hate to get on the freaking. Browns bandwagon again. I was there this offseason and it did not feel good. <laughs> Still does not feel good to say that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you. Um they both have you know pieces on offense that that show you know promise and upside for sure. And I I love the way that Garoppolo's looked so far. He hasn't had gaudy stats yet as far as, you know, touchdowns or anything. But he's looked good. Yeah, he looks and great. He's, yeah, he's he's looked like a top half NFL quarterback, and so that's exciting. Yeah, and you know, you give them a, a, a you know, a, a true number one receiver, yep. and we might we might have some good things cooking over in San Francisco for sure. Yeah, the continued development of George Kittle. And, yeah, if you've got Pierre Thomas working out of the slot and Marquise Goodwin on the opposite side of, you know. Pierre Thomas? Or uh, uh, Pierre Garçon, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Pierre Thomas, where did that come from? I was like, they're going to re-sign Pierre <laughs> Thomas and make him a slot receiver? <laughs> 40-year-old running back's going to come out of retirement. Yeah, yeah Pierre Garçon out of the sl- You think he's coming back, Garçon? Uh, I guess I don't. I don't. I ask out of ignorance. I don't know what his contract is at all. Yeah, to be honest, I don't either. Um, I would be surprised if he didn't. I don't know how how much you can really expect from him coming off of an ACL injury. But, I mean, I know that that he was brought in in the first place for a very specific reason by Kyle Shanahan after their time together in Washington. So I think that... There's a comfort level there for Shanahan, and uh, and I think that that is going to speak volumes. So, but yeah, that that receiving core is just kind of one guy away, you know. And I don't know, maybe I don't like Alshon Jeffrey, but man, that guy could be that guy could be the answer, you know. There there are a handful of them, but and then. You know, if they ended up with Saquon Barkley, or if they finally bought into Carlos Hyde, there's all of a sudden there's weapons all over the field for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he knows how to find them. And he's got the coach, he's got the scheme. You give him the personnel, and that could be a really fun offense that you definitely would want to stack for fantasy purposes. Yeah, they might actually be good. Yeah, yeah. We're saying the same crap about the Browns last year, but <laughs> the, the difference I think is the coaching staff. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and they already have the they already have the QB. They're like the yeah. opposite. Yeah, like the like Cleveland <laughs> has 
you know, good ancillary weapons, but mm-hmm. they they don't have a quarterback, and the coach is making some very questionable decisions this year. Yeah, and the Niners have a coach with you know what we think is a proven track record, and they it looks like they've got their QB, and they just need the ancillary weapons. So let's just combine the Niners and the Browns into one super franchise. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and then we'll be good to go. Or even Dude, better, Jimmy Garoppolo to Jordan to Josh Gordon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have some dreams about that one. Yeah, Hands you on would. the table. <laughs> yeah. Hand check. <laughs> yeah, hand check for sure. Yeah, yeah. The the Browns really just kind of need a a head coach who's interested in winning games. Unfortunately, that's the big thing. I don't even know for sure what they've got with Deshaun Kaiser yet. But anyway, so that that was one of my big takeaways from the the 2017 season and like i said the connected to that is just the giveaway that you know maybe we should have seen this coming with a few other offenses so um maybe you know going forward it's something that i'm definitely going to look for all right so mine i've got my first giveaway something that we should have seen coming is uh deandre hopkins man yeah yeah. Wide receiver one. Okay, yeah. Not wide receiver one. But, I mean, should we have been able to see a bounce back year without Brock Osweiler? That's my main my main thought there. And I, I was not in the camp of thinking he was going to have a bounce back year. And, again, I think that's why it's good to reflect sometimes on these at the, at the end of the season is, you know, how and why did we miss that, right? And are we too quick – to I mean, just like we were talking about earlier, we're too quick to give up on a player, you know, in a, with a bad rookie season. Are we too quick to give up on a player after a bad season in general? Like he was, I mean, he was amazing in twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And and then twenty sixteen came and he sucked really bad, <laughs> <laughs> and we just totally. I mean, he was. Like, wait, what was he, what do you think he, he was like a fourth round pick? Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty nuts. He was like a top 10 rookie pick or top 10 startup pick and in going into 2016, I think. Right. Yeah. My, my math here. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. So, maybe even top five ish. Yeah. And then, yeah. And fell into the late second round and now jumps back up into the top five of startups you, you think the late second was a was where he was going probably this year it, probably i'm that's you don't think he was down that far yeah i i i guess i don't i don't have supporting evidence for that but i that's my guess i think that he was probably ranked somewhere around you know 12 10 or 12 for wide receivers and I think that that going coming into this year, uh, yeah, going into twenty seventeen after after the season he had, that's I feel like he was lower than that, man. Really, I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember for sure, but it it, it feels like that would have been a range. I I don't know how you put him too much lower than that, but you might be right. You're totally right. Right, right receiver eleven in August of this year. Yeah. Which would probably put him towards the back end of the second round. And, I mean, that's... Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's 11th overall. 
Oh, oh, okay. End of the first round still? Wow. Wow, That's a little surprising. I don't remember him going that high. So maybe more people saw it coming than we did. I don't remember him going that high. Yeah, I I don't either. In any in any drafts that I did. Yeah. But I I couldn't wow, have taken crazy. him that high. I mean, I wouldn't have taken him. Well, that maybe high. this conversation is useless then. Maybe everybody <laughs> else is smarter than we are, John. Yeah, no, apparently. But I do think this is important for one reason. I've seen a lot of blowback against Mike Evans as an elite dynasty wide receiver. You know, a lot of people trying to get out from under Mike Evans, and I would caution that this could be the exact same thing. And Mike Evans could be a very, very good buy-low candidate right now because of the down season he just had. And, uh, you know, we know the talent is there. He was the number I believe he was a wide receiver one overall last year. And he did it the same way Nuke is doing it. It was off of, it was a high volume of targets more than anything. I think he was second to Jordy, but barely. Really? And it was depending on, it was depending on format too, I think. I think they were very close. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, so to to bail on Mike Evans now is the exact same thing. So that's that's the entire reason that we're doing this exercise, by the way. Is so that we that history doesn't keep repeating itself when we start strategizing going into a new dynasty fantasy season, you know, working on a, on your roster in the off season. We made that mistake with DeAndre Hopkins. We we tried to sell low and get out from under him in case you know that his 2016 season was a precursor to the rest of his career, and it ended up just kind of being a a blip on the radar, you know. And what he actually is is a easily a top five fantasy receiver, which puts him in the top yeah. five. I think he's more like a top two, honestly, for fantasy for redraft. For, I think he's for redraft. Yeah, in redraft, Go, going into next year, or you mean scoring this year? It, next year in a redraft league, I think I'm still taking Antonio Brown first. And I think I've got DeAndre Hopkins right after him in a PPR yeah, redraft. Be in the conversation for sure. Yeah, with uh, with Beckham. Yeah, yeah. So in a dynasty startup, Juli- Julio's losing some some of his luster. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a dynasty startup, I think I'll, I'll have Hopkins in the top five. But in redraft, I think I'd have him number Man. two. But the point is that I mean he jumped right back up to that elite status. And watch for Mike Evans to do the same thing. So, and there are a few guys like that too, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I completely agree with you on Mike Evans. Yeah. But I mean, this isn't a Mike Evans conversation. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I the the difference for me is Winston has not looked good. He's not played well. He he's really Winston's worrying me. <laughs> and. I mean, Watson was just so gangbusters, and it just really, you know, and again, maybe it's recency bias, but it really exudes that confidence in that offense and, and those players, you know? Yeah. Where I feel, I would feel way more comfortable uh, with Hopkins versus Evans, but I mean, that's obviously based on the production, you know, based on this year, but... I mean, I see your point. I just Winston worries me. I guess is all I wanted to throw that out, uh, throw out there, and mm-hmm. um, I don't think we have to worry about um, Hopkins QB situation at all. Right. 
But I get my whole point of bringing this up is back going way back to my original <laughs> point here. Osweiler sucks, man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like that was literally like that's it. That's it. It's the same coaching staff. Like the same, the same, the same receivers, the same running back. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was literally just Brock Osweiler. Yeah, and like he's performed well under Hoyer, T.J. Yates. Uh, yeah, we talked about it last week. Tom Ryan Savage, T.J. Yates again this year. Yeah, like, yep. it was literally yeah, just Osweiler. So. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's. I think that's why I was saying maybe we should have seen it coming. You know, maybe we didn't give enough credit to Brock Osweiler for just not <laughs> being able to function. Yeah, in that position. Well, and that's so. that's where I think that you're right on is the fact that I mean we actually did know that about Brock Osweiler. I think everybody knew that. We just we should have true. We should have taken that a step farther and said DeAndre Hopkins is still he's elite 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 he just yep he was just bogged down by a guy who couldn't even make the cleveland browns roster so um so a takeaway i had was basically i was just thinking about you know we always talk about in dynasty how you need that depth right to to be a true contender and win your championship you need depth at every position especially running back right is what we all think and you know I guess so. I'm, I'm just thinking that a lot of the times we don't really think about that with the quarterback position, and this is true, especially in superflex, where you know you you need quarterback the depth, quarterback depth just as much as any other position, and you need startable depth. <laughs> you know, not these you know Jacoby Brissett, Tom Savage kind of guys. Like I don't want that as my QB three is my point. Mm -hmm. I want I want my two studs and then I want a third one that can fill in that is like a serviceable, like I can start this guy any week of the year and feel comfortable about it. So Mm -hmm. maybe top 16, you know what I mean? I want three in the top 16. And so, I mean, and this year has proven that quarterbacks can get hurt or underperform just as easily as running backs or wide receivers. Um, so, like, I had, for example, I, I did a startup this offseason, and I had um, Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson. And I was just on cloud nine thinking, oh, I'm going to run the table in this league, you know? And, I mean, I had some other issues, obviously. That <laughs> Anyways, my point is that ended up becoming a rebuild team for me. And Andrew Luck being absent was a part of that. And even though I had Russell Wilson, my QB three was, um, I was like rotating between Cody Kessler and Brock and um, like Brock Osweiler, and I had to shun Kaiser. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I mean, tell me what you think about it. I I just that kind of was a takeaway for me after this season, and going through that in one of my own leagues and seeing all these quarterbacks going down and with Wentz and Rodgers and Luck and Deshaun Watson and so. Mm-hmm. And I guess I also wanted to throw out there for, you know, towards the end of the year, towards the end of the season, we should treat quarterback handcuffs kind of like we do running back handcuffs. And I don't think we do that. 
you know, going into week 10, 11, 12, when you're starting to think, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to make the playoffs. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, let me go ahead and pick up Brett Hundley for my Aaron Rodgers. Let me go ahead and pick up Nick Foles for my Carson Wentz. You know, we do that with, like I traded for TJ Yeldon because I was going into the playoffs and I have Leonard Fournette. Like, why don't we do that with the quarterback position in Superflex? Right. What <laughs> you're walking into my web a little bit here? I think Ooh. I think I might be coaxing you into this one because um, I mean that this was before you uh, you stepped in as a co-host on this on this podcast, but I talked quite a Uh-oh. bit about a dynasty, a super flex startup that I did this past off season where three of my first four picks were quarterbacks. I went Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, and I was going BPA by the way. I, is, I mean, I, my strategy was I wanted quarterbacks. I wanted a ton what of What is BPA, John? What? You were going BPA. Yeah, best player available. Oh, oh, um, oh. at the positions right, that I wanted to target. So you know, Tom Brady in a dynasty seems like a questionable pick, but you know, several quarterbacks went in between my luck pick in the first round and my Brady pick in the second round. So, so that's why I ended up with with Brady there. He was the highest ranked quarterback left on the board for me. And then in the third round, Todd Gurley. And in the fourth round, I got Carson Wentz. And, you know, because of luck going down, well, I mean, now here I am in the semifinals of that of that league, and I just lost Carson Wentz, too. So I'm in a little yeah. bit of trouble. Now I move on to Trevor Simeon. But, um, it, yeah, I mean, to me, I... I fully support this strategy, and I'm guessing that I probably take it a little farther than you do based on the fact that I went so quarterback heavy in that league just to make sure that I was going to have that I was going to have the depth to survive even a season like this one, which I think is kind of an outlier. I don't think that we're we're typically going to see this type of of mass casualties at, at the quarterback position every season but um but you know I was trying to prepare for the possibility that I might and kind of best case scenario was I was going to have three stud quarterbacks there that I I could have used one of them as trade bait you know like if if things had fallen my way I would be starting Andrew Luck and Carson Wentz and Tom Brady would just be trade fodder. So I don't know. I, I might I might actually take that strategy a little farther than what you're talking about, but Interesting. Yeah, I mean I don't hate it. Yeah. And it's just I mean, this is like a new ish kind of, you know, thought processes that, that I'm just kinda of trying to work through at the end of the season, you know, and mm-hmm. just as a takeaway, like maybe we need to reevaluate in Superflex, how important that QB3 slot is. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have the I have one league where I've got Newton and Wilson, and, you know, I've been all right. But there was, you know, if one of them got hurt, I would be playing uh, Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. 
and that's not fun, <laughs> right. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like the, the, he's he's so far down that it's like I don't. He's he's one. He's so far down on the quarterback rankings that and the quarterback production that he might actually be someone that you start a different position in that super flex, right? And that's something I never want to do. Yeah. So, especially if it's just a normal PPR league where you don't have boosters for, you know, some of the other positions, you can get by if you've got a tight end premium and, um, you know, a point per carry or something like that. But if it's just straight PPR, yeah, you want, you for sure want quarterbacks there. So, yeah, this is one that we're going to have to talk about quite a bit this offseason because I'm still not completely convinced that I did the right thing there, but um i i feel like this season kind of made the argument for me a little bit so far but so we'll have to explore that some more um but one uh, giveaway that i want to talk about is that we should have seen coming at least for 2017 is that rookie running backs would dominate which we didn't necessarily see that in 2016 it was kind of ezekiel elliott and you know some flashes from a few other guys but nothing nothing all that spectacular but in 2017 it feels like this the running back class was just absolutely dominated by rookies this year and it feels like you know if you had Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt you i mean that's a league winning combination you know oh yeah well except for the Kareem Hunt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally it's it really does feel like there's a complete changing of the guard at the running back position right now. Yeah. And you know, there was all this hype about the 2017 running back class and so far it has not disappointed. So I don't know, I guess is that your kind of thought is, you know, should we have believed the hype on the 2017 running back class because it does feel like Every year, everybody's stoked about the new rookie class, and oh, it's amazing! And there's all this depth, and the running backs are going to be great. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you feel about being able to, you know, how, how, I guess buy into future rookie classes based on this? Yeah. Well, so let me just skip right to my takeaway here, which is that in a startup, you go zero running back. And then in the rookie, you're looking for running backs strictly in the in the startup draft, um, or in the rookie draft. So, in the theory there, I guess is that in the startup draft, you can build your team of wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks, and build a contender out of that. And then you know I've talked about the res- the revolving door at running back, but to me, in the rookie draft, it's it's the rookie draft in Dynasty is really backwards because the only ones who have any business drafting a running back are the contenders. If you're rebuilding, sure. you need to be taking wide receivers and playing the long game with them. You know, give them a couple years to develop, and then you, when they pop, you turn into a, a contender, and then you start building the running backs. But the problem is if you're trying to rebuild around a running back and you only get two years out of them, you know, before they start to become injury prone and get caught in a committee and and all the other things that can happen to a running back, then you're right back to rebuilding. 
you know before you even get it off of the runway you're right back to rebuilding so that's i guess that's kind of the takeaway for me is that you know it's not even about the hype around i mean this this looks like it's going to be another really good really strong class of rookie running backs if they all come out um and there's going to be a ton of hype around them you know so and i think that even more than than that though you just we should be buying into the notion that the running the rookie running backs are going to play a role regardless of who they are and regardless of where they're drafted they're going to play a role for you and they're going to be productive for you at some point in the fantasy season so you you kind of want to load up on those rookies because they're going to be the ones that carry you through the season you know at some point they're going to do something for you throughout the season so you just kind of want as many of those guys as you can get if you're a contender Yeah, I think I agree for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of, yeah, you know, in the startup, you you build your core of receivers and, and quarterbacks. Um, and then I, I completely agree with the fact that, the, you know, the running back position is easiest to transition from college to the NFL. And they're really the only ones that can have that instant production like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess I totally feel you, but my, my only reservation there is, you know, if you go, if you actually go zero RB and you don't, let's, I mean, you don't take a a running back in a startup till like the seventh round or something, Mm -hmm. then that means you're also missing out on all the top rookies for that year. Like... You know, Fournette, Cook, McCaffrey, Mixon, they were all top, you know, five, six round picks. Mm-hmm. So you, then you're banking on, you know, Austin Eckler off the waiver wire, Alex Collins, like you're piecing together at that point. And I don't think, I think if you go truly zero RB, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to contend because it's going to take you four, five, six, seven weeks to find those you know, hodgepodge mix and match running backs to, to complement your, your wide receiver core. Like, yeah, there are Alex Collinses that come out, but he wasn't relevant in the first few weeks of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I guess that's, that's my, my, my thought with that is like, if you're going to do that, you're pretty much like you'd have to, and I like the idea of building a team this way, right? Like yeah. startup draft, you get quarterbacks and wide receivers but I would just caution, like, I wouldn't expect to win that year with no running backs, right? Like, obviously you're going to draft running backs, but, like, no, no, like, every week starters that are going to blow up for you. And then you're going to have to wait till the rookie draft and, you know, hopefully get a couple first-round picks and then get your running backs there. And then in year two, you'd be stacked and ready to go. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I guess that's my, my thought on it is that, you know, you're going to be left with – all these RB threes that you're going to, have to play matchups, and I don't know. That's just not fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's effective. That's the thing. I mean, so the, this year, depending on when your startup draft was, when your rookie draft was, and if they were independent of one another, but if they weren't, 
say you did a startup draft with rookies included in you know July before you know before Spencer Ware went down with an in- injury you definitely could have got Kamara and Hunt late you could have got yeah but how would you have known to pick those guys like everyone like you can say that all day but yeah for you to be the one out of the 12 guys in your league that went and drafted Kareem Hunt in the 13th round mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. like and I guess that's just why you keep listening to podcasts and you keep reading articles throughout the offseason and you keep up on the rookie class and so you kind of have an idea of who these guys are. And there definitely were people in the industry that were calling for you know, Kareem Hunt as a target player. Mm-hmm. And the situation and everything, you know, I guess that all makes sense. But I just think to say, like, oh, just draft Kareem Hunt and draft... Alvin Kamara, like, that's a solution. Like, only one guy can have those guys, right? Yeah. Like, everybody else is stuck with whatever's left over. Yeah. But, I mean, if you had drafted, you know, if you had passed on David Johnson and drafted yeah. Antonio Brown, you know, and then, you know, when it came back to you, you took a chance on some of those other wide receivers. Maybe you ended up with. Well, I mean, it sounds like Hopkins went a lot higher than we thought he would, but it, it to my mind, Hopkins would have been a late second rounder. So all of a sudden, you've got Antonio Brown, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you get Rob Gronkowski <laughs> or Travis Kelsey at tight end, and you get you know a quarterback that at least in theory you should be able to trust. Um, a lot of you guys would have drafted Russell Wilson, <laughs> and you would have you would have actually got that one right. I would not have gotten that one right. I took Wilson in the second. Yeah. See, so I mean, you can you can build your core in startups. You can kind of build your core of of those other positions, and then it's not that you're specifically drafting Alvin Kamara and specifically drafting Kareem Hunt later in the draft. It's that you're just drafting an army of running backs and that you really only need two of them to pop, you know? And you can take, like, six of them or something like that, maybe more, depending on the size of your roster. And you just just take them just in in volume. And, you know, like I said, you only need two of them to pop, and then you stay fluid at that position throughout the season, and you could end up with going from... You know Chris Carson to Alex Collins to to um, to Kenyon Drake, you know with Jarek McKinnon mixed in there. Like all those running backs, those were the ones that won leagues this year. So I I don't know that that's another one that we'll probably need to talk about throughout the off season. But um, it's just so a, I just want to no yeah I just want to throw in real quick. I'm looking at a startup that I did mm-hmm. and. This is so a super flex in round eight. These are the running backs that went in round eight. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is just kind of my, my whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara both yeah. drafted in round eight of this startup this offseason. Mm-hmm. But also Eddie Lacy, Kenneth Dixon, Ty Montgomery, Paul Perkins. Oh yeah. Yeah, there were So you had a one in three shot. Of being the one guy that grabbed that running back instead of Paul freaking Perkins, right? <laughs> like that's my point. Is that? But and, there's landmines you know, like that throughout the throughout the draft. That's the problem. I mean, you right. you had the exact same, 
you you had just as you were just as likely, if not more likely, to take Jay Ajayi than Todd Gurley at the in the first round, late in the first round, you know? Sure. So those they Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean I I get it. Yeah. But But that's a thing. I, I just, mean I I would probably like to I mean no, I okay, so here's my whole point is I like it. I like the idea okay. of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good way to build a dynasty team. But if you do that, I think you just have to keep in mind that there's a very good chance that if you don't happen to be the one to hit on those late round stars, right? Mm-hmm. That you're gonna have you're not gonna win this year. Yeah. And like that's just that's a truth that if you if you go that way and building your team, that that's you know, you've got a fifty fifty chance of just not hitting on any of those guys. Yeah, definitely. And then you've still got your good core, right? And then you can go back and in, into the rookie draft next year and, and get those running backs to put you over the top. But I just there's I guess that's my whole my whole like reservation with it is if you do that, you know, there's a good chance or I guess a, a 50-50 chance or whatever that you're not going to win in year one. So that's it. Yeah. That's why you put yourself in a position where in future rookie drafts, you don't have to take wide receivers because you're set at that position. So you can keep just going in volume at the running back position. But anyways, it, that's one that it probably needs some more refinement. So we'll definitely come back to it in future episodes too. So my last uh, giveaway, something we should have seen coming maybe, is uh, Des Bryant, man. he Should we have seen his bad year coming? And I am coming at this from you know, as someone who was very high on Des Bryant in the offseason. And I had completely bought in that he was going to have, you know, he was going to come back and have an outstanding year. Um, so looking back and, and just kind of thinking, like, how, what could I have looked for? What did I miss? that could have prevented me from drafting him literally everywhere. Yeah. This might be the toughest one because that feels like a, a kind of hard one to predict. I mean, it, it seemed like they had the offense, you know? Yeah. And so I guess the, so last year, right. He missed four games Mm -hmm. and I guess you could argue that he was hobbled in some other ones. And that's why we kind of wrote off the bad year. Mm -hmm. And also first-year rookie quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And so I guess, you know, the narrative coming into this year was he's completely healthy. They've got all the pieces still. Dak's gonna, coming into his second year. He's going to get even better than he was in year one, and they're just going to explode, yeah. right? But, I mean, maybe we miss, like, you know, he was not. Des Bryant was not a focal point of that offense last year. And maybe we shouldn't have overlooked that. You know, and they're just, he's not, he's obviously their number one receiver. He's obviously targeted a lot. He's, I think he's got 114 targets this year or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the only thing I could think of is he just, he's not like this 12, 10 target a game guy that they're forcing the ball to. Like they want to use Ezekiel Elliott. They want to use their tight end and their, you know, all their other 
Bryce Butlers and Terrence Williams mm-hmm. and and throw it a minimal amount of times and so does I don't know like I guess I'm just kicking it back to you like is that what we should have been looking at like how did we miss on Dez yeah I, I don't know I, I guess I just tend to think that the the only indicator that I could really see was the fact that we knew that there was likely a, an Ezekiel Elliott suspension coming and anytime you lose a major component of the offense, the entire offense suffers. But yeah, but he wasn't good before Zeke was gone. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. I I almost think that this is one that I don't know that there was a giveaway there. As crazy as it is, because he I we've talked before about the fact that he hasn't been good, Des, for several years. You know. Yeah, 2014 was his yeah. last good year. So maybe that's it. Maybe we bought back into the player when we shouldn't have. Maybe he is. Maybe he has lost a step. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, at twenty-eight years old, you would think that there's still some productivity to be had there. So, yeah, and when you watch him, I mean, he still looks. Really yeah, when he does good. make He's plays, still really it's, good it, he it. makes he makes plays yeah. that nobody else in the league could make. Right, but yeah, it's. I don't know. To me, I think this is kind of one that you have to give yourself a little bit of a break on. I don't. I don't know if there was, like he's if this, he's only caught fifty four percent of his passes yeah, this year. He's he's What's been bad. There's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt that he's been he's been bad, and it's really hard to explain. Oh, it's I mean, really I do think weird. we're seeing kind of the same thing with Mike Evans too, and I don't, I don't know how we could have predicted that one either. You know, uh, maybe a little. Right. I mean, I guess just maybe both of the only. I mean, what do they have in common? Right. Just struggling offenses in general. Yeah, and a little bit of regression at the quarterback position, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There, there are just some things that I think that you have to give yourself a break on it, and say, you know, the the. If you had him valued, if you had Des Bryant valued as a first-round draft pick in a startup, then you had that wrong. Otherwise, I think your your process was fine. You just happened to get that one wrong, you know, and that happens. Yeah, I took him in the third. Yeah, which I think is totally fair. Let's move on to some trades, Travis. Um and uh, we'll come back to giveaways and takeaways throughout the off season, and uh, we've got plenty of those. So, but for now, let's talk about a few trades that we've seen on Twitter real quick, and we're just going to rapid fire these to to try and get through them um, as fast as we can and make sure that we give them their due diligence. So, this first one I want to ask you about. Um, this is going to be this is a twelve team super flex with a tight end premium. And uh, it's going to be Julio Jones and on one side or a package including Derrick Henry, Des Bryant, uh, Will Fuller, a mid-to-late projected first-round pick, and a mid-to-late projected second-round pick. All of that for Julio Jones. Yeah, that's pretty insane. I think it's easily the package side. And I know you never want to be the one that gives up the best piece in the deal and you feel like you're selling your dollar for three quarters or whatever. But 
this is this is enough for me. <laughs> like, Easily, so, yeah. Yeah, there's so much here. Like, Derrick Henry, I, I've been kind of back and forth on him, but I think I'm a believer. Um, I actually listened to a podcast that had uh, the RB scout on it. Shout out to Adam Spinks. He was talking about um, Derrick Henry and uh, his yards after the potential tackle point. That was pretty amazing. He's, like, got double the yards of uh, DeMarco Murray this year. Anyways, um, I believe in Derrick Henry as a future stud running back. Dez is arguably kind of... He's only, like, one tier down from Julio, really, even though he's underperforming this year. They're the same age. Yeah, Fuller, I think it has a lot of upside... um, especially with Deshaun Watson, and I think his value is pretty depressed. And then you throw in a, a mid-second and a mid-first. Like, yep, I'm, I'm done with Julio, and for that, for sure. Yeah, Julio ends up being one of the most volatile, actually the most volatile player probably in fantasy football from a standpoint of you never know what you're going to get, either a really bad game or a really good game. He's kind of all over the place. And that's actually on to the next trade, by the way, um, because that's criticism that I had of Russell Wilson going into this season. And with a couple bad performances to start the season, it looked like that was going to hold up. Um, I've had to (laughs) do quite a bit of backstroking the last couple weeks because since then he's been ridiculously consistent. Who's that again? What's that? Who's that again? Russell Wilson. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's been really good, is that what you're saying? He's been great? He's he's been he's been a lot more consistent than he's ever been <laughs> in his career. <laughs> That's as far as I'm gonna go. But he's involved in this next trade in a league that I'm actually in. And it's uh it's only single quarterback, but you know, the just the, the Russell Wilson value, um, for a little bit of context, he was traded at the beginning of the of the season in this particular league for two third round picks now in this trade the latest poll was he was going to move for the fourth time this season in this in this league russell wilson in a third round pick 3.08 for 1.08 and 5.03 and just to demonstrate how far Russell Wilson has come in my rankings. To me, this one's a slam dunk. Wilson for 108, I would take that in a heartbeat just to have, you know, the the elite production that you're that you that it seems like you're going to get consistently at the quarterback position. I would gladly give up 1.08 for that type of production. Yeah, totally agree. And it's worth mentioning that this is not a super flex league. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is 14 teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, even, that speaks to it even more that, you know, I'd give up the 108 for, for Wilson for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, this one is a two quarterback league, also not a super flex, but two QB, 0.5 PPR. And uh, the so it's going to be Jared Goff and Dalvin Cook um, from a team that's n- going from a team that is 
not in the playoffs to a team trying to make a run, giving up Sammy Watkins, Devontae Freeman, Gio Bernard, and Joe Flacco. Break that one down for me. Uh, let me see. Freeman team making a run out of the playoffs. So the guy, the guy's trading away Cook and Goff to get Watkins, Freeman, Geo, and Flacco. Yeah, so he's he's giving up Goff and Cook to get pieces that would help him theoretically in the playoffs, being Sammy Watkins, Devonta Freeman, Gio Bernard, and Joe Flacco. Man, I think I want the Dalvin Cook side. Yeah. Is that where you fell on it? Yeah, I think so too. I mean... Oh, I just now voted and it's, Twitter has it 72% on that side. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean... I it, wasn't, it wasn't that much of a disparity for me. I thought it was closer than that. Yeah. I mean, just considering that it's a contender trying to get Freeman. Right. Like, that's the main that's the main piece here, right? Like, Watkins isn't going to help him win a championship. Flacco isn't going to help him win a championship. Yeah, although Flacco probably replaces Goff. So, yeah, to me it's kind of Freeman. Maybe. You're getting back Freeman and Flacco into your, I assume, into your starting lineup. And then Watkins and Geo are just kind of bench guys and not bench guys that I would want on a playoff team. I mean, those guys aren't going to start for you. So, yeah, it's basically what it comes down to is are you willing to give up Dalvin Cook and Jared Goff, guys who are going to help you a lot in the future, to get Devontae Freeman's help right now? And I don't think I would do it. Yeah, I don't think so either. But it's hard to be – it's hard to, like, put yourself in that position because if you are – I mean, if you think you're really close to winning the whole thing – you know, maybe you think the drop off from Cook to Freeman isn't anything. I I disagree with that. I've been, I mean, I've said it before that I'm I'm worried about Freeman long term. But yeah, I mean, it's it's still Cook and Goff for sure. So I don't we don't need to debate it really. Yeah, we've got a lot more trades to talk about in in future weeks as well. In fact, um, we're gonna talk a lot about draft pick versus players um, in the coming weeks but for now let's move on to you are nuts I did nuts what are you nuts now you want to get nuts come on let's get nuts you're all nuts and first of all you had one that was uh very interesting and a lot of fun to watch and uh should it probably should have actually worked out for you yeah i had uh michael crabtree and jared cook both with 100 receiving yards and um you know our buddy james would yell at me but the process (laughs) on this one was right and i just simply did not factor in the fact that Derek carr is um, hashtag bad at football. Right. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I think it was. Um, let's see. Uh, so Cook ended with five for 
75 and a touchdown. Crabtree had seven for 60. So they both had good games. Uh, they just didn't quite hit that that 100 yard mark. Yeah. And I the reason I called you out and called you nuts on this one last week was just because of Derek Carr, and that did end up being the problem. But 19 targets for those guys. How does only 12 of them land? You know, that's that's a quarterback yeah. issue. That's not a receiver issue. So yeah, you you were you were on it. It just the problem just was Derek Carr's ability to complete those passes. And yep, I had and so you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna lay yours out. So you had Nathan Peterman. What <laughs> yeah. happened with Nathan Peterman this week, John? Uh, I I mostly got this one right, actually. <laughs> so Unbelievable. I said Nathan Peterman was going to start. He was going to play the entire game, and he was going to throw more touchdowns and interceptions. So on the ice planet of Hoth, Nathan Peterman did get the start. He <laughs> threw one touchdown, zero interceptions, because they barely attempted any passes. The only problem is he went out late in this game because of a concussion. Joe Webb came in. So, I mean, if you want to get me on a technicality, I guess you could. But he would have finished that game. And he would have finished that game without any interceptions. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. <laughs> Damn it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about this week's predictions then. And I'll let you start. All right, I'm going to go back to the... Jimmy Garoppolo, well, um, love it. <laughs> I I've really, really, really been liking what I see from this guy so far. We talked about him a little bit earlier, but he is just playing. He's playing so well. Um, he just he hasn't had a big blow up game yet, and he, you know I think that's because just the, the you know the offense in general. You know he doesn't have very many playmakers on on that team to throw to um but man he's play he's playing so well so and he's home this he's home this week against tennessee um you can absolutely throw on tennessee uh he had 300 and, what was it 334 yards last week so anyways my my bold prediction is jimmy garoppolo 350 passing yards and three touchdowns um, he almost had the yardage last week, and he almost had 300 the week before, but he's only got um, two touchdowns on the year and only one in his two starts. Yeah, so that's, to me, that's why you're nuts, is the multi-touchdown game hasn't happened yet. 350 still kind of a lot when all you really have to do against San Francisco is key in on Marquise Goodwin. And beyond that, I mean, it's it's a bunch of no-names, Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne. And so, you know, the right, the right game plan could shut this down in a hurry. Um, but the main reason that I'm going to say you're nuts is just that we haven't seen a multi-touchdown game yet from Jimmy Garoppolo. And so this, you know, this very well could be more of, you know, kind of dink and dunk and get the yardage and then lots of you know lots of running inside the red zone with Carlos Hyde and Matt Breda so um yeah I do think you're nuts not not real nuts though just a little nuts you're you're a little (laughs) nutty Carlos Hyde can catch touchdowns too John (laughs) that's true 
That's true. <laughs> Although he doesn't. He hasn't lately, but yeah. I'd love to see it as a Carlos Hyde owner in several leagues. I'd love to see it. All right, here's mine. Kenyon Drake at Buffalo is going to is gonna put up 200 total yards and two touchdowns. That's it? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not enough? That, that might be a little... I just wanted to... I wanted to look and see here. He had. Yeah, I don't even. He know. had. <laughs> <laughs> he had one hundred and. One hundred ninety-three total yards last week. <laughs> oh jeez. So. <laughs> okay, maybe I need to bump this up a little bit. Come on, John, you're slacking here. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, I hadn't even looked at that. All right, I'm gonna say. Two hundred. 40. All right, let me back up and I'll redo this. Oh, we're going to cut this out? Yeah. No, it's in the show. Okay, no, that's fine. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. (laughs) But I am going to bump this up to 240 total yards and three touchdowns. And I'm going to, so I'm going to have the Miami Dolphins leaning heavily on Kenyon Drake. And I'm going to have him answering the bell. 240 total yards, rushing and receiving. And I think he's going to score at least three times against Buffalo's horrible run defense. Yeah. <laughs> is that crap, better? <laughs> <laughs> you wanted some sizzle. There it is. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I think I just successfully um, stat shamed you into losing <laughs> on your bold prediction next week. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Man, I don't even need to say much. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's an insane game. That would be really cool. I mean, he's looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, better than, you know, I think we thought he would. Um, I think he might, I mean, side note, but I think they might go into next year with just these two guys. What do you think? Well, I mean, they'll probably have some depth, but mm-hmm. Drake and Williams, yeah, with Drake being, you know, the large majority share of that backfield. I think they should. I mean, I don't know how you yeah. pass up on some of the rookies that are going to come out. So, I, you know, there's just so many of them that I think someone's going to end up in Miami. And it it's going to be someone who's just talented enough to push for some work. You know, even if it's a fourth or fifth round pick, I think they're going to do it. But, man, Kenyon Drake deserves the shot that he's getting right now. This is why you traded Jay Ajayi, because you believe this much in Kenyon Drake. So, yeah, I mean, you go into camp at least with with him as the projected starter. I, I think that you have to. And I think that he's going to take it and run with it. And then Adam Gase is going to bail on him just like he did Jay Ajayi. So. Yeah, I mean, this is only his second year in the league. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I think that there's a chance that they take a later round guy and and come into the league at least at least start the year next year with him as their their main guy. Yeah. I but think anyways, so. next week you're crazy. That's not gonna happen. Three <laughs> touchdowns, 240 yards is insane. Yeah. When I saw the weather report, that that actually started to get me to back off of 202 um, because <laughs> it's supposed to be wet and cold which to me is a bad combination for anybody who plays their home games on the beach in Miami. So 
that valid that, point. That almost got me to back off of 202 touchdowns, but instead, I let you talk me into bumping this up into the <laughs> stratosphere. So, 240 and three, we both agree that that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think the cold weather, snow, whatever should, I mean, it could help. It could hurt, right? It could fumble or whatever, but. It could also help just in the fact that they could just lean on him like crazy. That um, Buffalo Indy game last week had like over 75 rushing attempts between the two. 80, I think it was over 80 rushing attempts between the two teams combined. So Yeah. Yeah, and regardless. If it snows, you could be in luck. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if it's just cold rain, that could mess things up. It, that makes footing a little bit tough, but snow would be fine. But, I mean, the other thing is just the fact that, you know, the sheer fact that the Bills' secondary really isn't bad, but the run defense is terrible. Ever since they traded Marcel Darius, they've just been horrible at stopping the run. So I th- that's the way to attack them. All right, man, I think we're done. I think we did it. Nice. That was a good one. Uh, I think we're going to be rich. So let's wrap it up for the week by asking our lovely listeners for a quick favor to please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Your ratings help us improve our content and our reach so we can involve more people in the conversation and touch on more topics that are meaningful to you, our beautiful listeners. So in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter our trade account is at Superflex Trades, and we can retweet and we can share them, and we can get you more votes and more comments and more advice from around the Dynasty universe. Also, follow the podcast itself at Superflex Pod. Travis is at Travis NFL. James is at DFF underscore Psychic, and I'm at DFF Dynasty Dude. The mothership, the Dynasty Football Factory, is at DFF underscore dynasty and also check out the brand new the brand new website dynastyfootballfactory.com that just got a total makeover much more user-friendly and just looks so slick i definitely uh, would recommend that you check it out you can find us there from the dynasty football network tab and you can also find us and all the great podcasts from dff on the Dynasty Football Network Twitter site at DF underscore network. And speaking of that great stable of podcasts, check out the Fantasy Football Fellas to help you finish off this 2017 season with waivers, rankings, etc. The Dynasty Warzone, uh, talking Dynasty values and strategies year-round. And they're still talking 2017 as well. So if you're looking for some advice on how to finish off this season without sacrificing next season, you can definitely listen to those guys. The IDP Edge Crushers talking about defensive players and helping you set those IDP lineups um, as you approach your IDP Fantasy Championships. The Devi Watch Podcast, those guys, those guys right now, that if you're not in the playoffs, these are the guys you need to be listening to because they've got everything on the college scene and they're going to help you prepare for your rookie drafts. Capology 101, talking about upcoming free agents in the NFL 
and contract situations that could impact your Dynasty rosters. And coming soon to Dynasty Trade Headquarters, talking all things Dynasty Trades. As always, thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for the song Me Addiction for our intro and outro music. Thanks to Travis for spending his time talking and listening to me. (laughs) And uh, thank you all for listening, of course. And until next week, best of luck in week 15 if you're still in the playoffs. And uh, we're looking forward to talking about 2018 with you more next week. Bye.